Amen. Oh, I love worship, and worship is so important, so important in our lives. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, open your Bibles tonight to the, to the Gospel of Luke. It's good to see Sister Peggy back tonight. She recovered from surgery, doing good. Good to see her back. Amen. We're just thankful for for what the Lord is doing. We're expecting, we're just expecting great things from God. Um, we, um, I, for five weeks, uh, for five weeks, we, uh, we taught on prayer, uh, on the, the, the subject of Lord teach us to pray from, 11, uh, from Luke chapter 11 and verse number one. And uh, we covered uh, the five most important, five important factors in our prayer life. We talked about, if you will remember, and, and, and I think most everybody, a lot of people got the CDs from those services, but we covered the five um, most important factors in prayer. And I thought, well, we're, we're done with teaching on prayer for a while, and so I, 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 I preached a message Week before last, remember on uh, lessons learned from rock fight. Remember that when we talked about David and Goliath. And uh, but you know the Lord just just really has been impressing on me to continue some more on Wednesday nights dealing with the subject of prayer because I feel like that prayer is is something. Well, I've already talked about our prayer meetings that we have and how the lifeline of the church is prayer. And I believe that God is calling His church back to prayer. I really do. I think that's such a vital, a vital thing for the church and so important in our, in our personal lives as well, you know, personally and corporately. And so um, I'm going to continue on. I'm going to continue talking about prayer. And so I want to read from Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read uh, four verses there because... Um, this is where we've been, where we were for five weeks, just, just using this, um, this first verse is what, what our, our lessons for those five weeks on prayer were based on this first verse. And it says that it came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so we, we were using that verse and that phrase, Lord, teach us to pray, um, for our topic and our subject of those five weeks of studies on prayer. And I made the statement that we need to learn how to pray. We need to be praying this prayer that the disciples prayed and asking the Lord to teach us to pray. You know, the, the disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus in ministry. They were with Him day and night. And they, they saw the miracles and they saw the ministry that, uh, that, he was involved, that He was involved in day after day after day. They saw the sick healed. They heard Him preach. The Bible said that when Jesus preached that He spoke, he, he spoke you know, they said, never a man spake like this man. He spoke as one that had authority and taught with authority and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And they heard Him teach and they heard Him preach and they saw Him perform miracles and raise the dead and heal the sick, open the eyes of the blind. 
And they saw him every day praying and seeking the Lord and seeking God every day. And you know, they never did ask the Lord, Lord, teach us to preach. They never said, Lord, teach us to heal. They never said, Lord, teach us, you know, to, to do any of these other things. But, but they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they knew that, that the ministry and the miracles and everything and the power that was involved in the ministry of Jesus and that surrounded His ministry was a result of His prayer life. And I believe that it's that way today. It's, it's going to be the same in, this, in the church world today. A powerful church will be a praying church and a, a prayerless church will be a powerless church. Do you agree with that? We don't want a powerless church. We want a church where the power of the Lord is present, where God can work. Because if the Spirit of the Lord's not there and the power and the presence of the Lord's not there, well, then we're just having a gathering. We're having a meeting and nothing good's going to happen. Amen? And so we need the presence of the Lord. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. Neither can you. None of us can. The only one that can do those mighty works is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He will do that as we pray. He will move and work as we as a church pray. And so they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and so Jesus, Jesus said to them in verse number 2, He began then and gave them a pattern and a, 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 a pattern or a, an outline of how to pray. And we refer to this as the Lord's Prayer, but I think it would be more suitable to say it's the disciples' prayer because it was, it was given to us. He gave it to His disciples and He's given it to us today as a pattern on how to pray. And so many people say, well, I wish I knew how to pray. When I pray, I don't know what to say to the Lord. Well, the Lord gives us a pattern here of prayer. And it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And we're all very familiar with it. And it says this, Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in, earth, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now that's Luke's version of it. And we're all probably more familiar with Matthew's, um, Matthew's rendering of it in, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read it from there as well. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9. Jesus gave it this way and He says, After this manner therefore pray you. Notice this is the, the manner in which we are to pray. There's not, we're not supposed to take this prayer and just recite this prayer. Are you listening to me? You know, there's churches that do that. They will, pray, they will just pray this prayer over and over and over and just recite it over and over and over. But Jesus didn't say for us to pray this prayer, just recite this prayer over and over, but because that would be vain repetition. And He had said here in Matthew chapter 6, not to use vain repetition like the heathen do when you pray. So Jesus didn't say recite this prayer or read this prayer or just pray it over and over, but He said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. Hallelujah. So there's the pattern of prayer. We're going to get into that um, here in just a little bit and talk about probably over the next few weeks on this, on this, uh, from this Lord's Prayer. And we're going to break this prayer down and we're going to, uh, to use this prayer as a pattern. Now for many years... I have used this pattern, the Lord's Prayer, that we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, as a pattern in my own prayer life. When, 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 when that was opened up to me, when, the, when this pattern of prayer was opened up to me, it really revolutionized and revitalized my prayer life. I had always had a desire... Uh, it seemed, uh, God had always, you know, even from the time I first got saved, there was just always a desire in my heart to pray. But how many knows, you know, you, you go to the Lord in prayer, and especially as a young Christian, and you can pray for everything you know and everybody you know in probably about five minutes. And it seems like you've been there a long time, and, you know, you've prayed for all the missionaries, and you've prayed for your mom and dad, and you've prayed for your family. Kind of like, you know, kids, you know, when, when kids pray, we teach, they'll get down and say their prayers before they go to bed at night before they go to sleep, and it's God bless mom and dad. And, and uh, bless the dog and the cat and, you know, and all that. And, and so they'll just, they'll think, everybody they can think of, and they'll just pray the blessings on them. And, and uh, that's about the extent of it. And so sometimes we get that way in prayer. We, we feel like we, we don't know what to say. But Jesus gives a pattern of prayer here for us to get involved in and use as a pattern or as an outline of prayer that, that, and gives us six topics here in this, in this prayer outline and in this prayer pattern that we can use to pray. Now, you know, as I said, Jesus wasn't, wasn't giving this uh, for us to read it or just to recite it or just to pray it by rote. But when the rabbis, when the Jewish rabbis taught they would, um, they, 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 would use, they would give topics and, and an outline or topics and then they would expound on each topic and that's basically what Jesus was doing here was giving, us, giving six different topics or areas of prayer for us to pray when we pray under the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And as we learn this pattern of prayer, as we learn this outline of prayer, I believe it's going to, if it, if it does you anything it, it, that it has done to me over the past 20 years or more, it will, it will enhance your communion and your fellowship with God. It will, it will help you in your, in your walk with the Lord and in your prayer life. Now, how many would like to have a better prayer life than what you have now? Amen. I'm not saying you don't have a good prayer life. Maybe you do, but we want to do everything we can to learn more about prayer and how to be more effective in prayer and in our communion, in our communion with God. Can I get an amen? So prayer has got to be the priority in our life. So Jesus gives these topics of prayer for us to pray in this, in this prayer outline, in this... Uh, in, this, uh, t in his teaching here uh, on the Lord's Prayer. Now, um, I want to talk to you before we get into this a little bit about the priority of prayer within the church. Because, uh, and, I, and I know, you know, I, I don't think I can stress this too much. And I'm just going to teach you a little bit tonight. Is that all right? I probably won't even preach at all. 
Amen? It's a Bible study night, isn't it, Brother Giles? Yeah. But, uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the priorities, the priority of prayer in the church. And uh, because there's, there's a great lesson, and, I've, and, I've, and I've, I've preached on this before, and so I'm, I'm not going to go deep into it, but in the 21st chapter of Matthew, let's lay a little foundation here. In the 21st chapter of Matthew, we have the account there where Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple. Are you familiar with that? There was actually, there were two cleansings of the temple that Jesus did. He did one, he, he went in and he cleansed the temple at the beginning of his ministry. And then uh, three and a half years later, he goes in and uh, before he goes to the cross and he cleanses the temple again at the ending of his ministry. And I believe that there's some, some prophetic significance there because uh, I believe that Jesus cleansed the temple at, on the day of Pentecost and he got the church ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and be to, to do the ministry that he had called the church to do. But I believe here now, right before his second coming, I believe there needs to be another uh, moving of the Lord within the temple and within the church to clean up the church and to get the church ready for his second coming. Do you agree with that? But in the 21st chapter of the book of Matthew, it says this, it says uh, in verse number 12, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were displeased and said to him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Now there's an order that we see here, I believe, in this uh, 21st chapter um, of, of Matthew and the cleansing and Jesus cleansing the temple. Because notice this, and there's a little outline here. And uh, we see that Jesus goes into the temple and the first thing that he does is he cleanses the temple and drives out the money changers and he turns over the tables of the money changers and he gets all the animals out of the temple and we won't go into all of that, what was going on, but he was cleansing the temple. And so in cleansing the temple, the first thing that Jesus is doing is that he's making, he's causing God's house to become a house of purity. He's first of all getting all the junk out that doesn't belong there. Are you listening to me? Amen. I might preach after all. I don't know. But he's getting all the stuff that doesn't belong in the temple, out of the temple, and he's making it, first of all, a house of purity by, by, by getting the money changers out and all the animals and turning over the table of them that sold doves. So he makes it a house of purity. And then second thing that Jesus does, after he cleans it out, is that he makes a pronouncement and pronounces God's house as what? A house of prayer. 
That's what he said. He said, he said, it is written, he said, uh, that my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. So he, he cleans out the temple and he makes it a house of purity and then he makes a pronouncement upon the house and calls it a house of prayer and then after it becomes a house of purity and he makes it a house of prayer, the next thing that happens is the Bible said in that next verse that then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now notice the progression here. There, the house of God is made a house of purity, then it's made a house of prayer, and then thirdly it's made a house of power. Come on, amen? See, that's why that I said that, that prayer is the key ingredient and the key element here in this whole thing because, because, because we, got, we, we get the cart before the horse. You're not going to have a church that's a house of power until it's first a house of purity and secondly a house of prayer. Can I get an amen? Is that right? So here's the progression. This is what I believe that Jesus is wanting to do in the church in the day in which we're living in today, these last days. He's wanting to make us a pure house, a, pr a prayerful house, so he can make us a powerful house. And then the fourth thing was that after he made it a house of purity, pronounced it a house of prayer, made it a house of power, then the Bible said in those next verses that then that the chief... The, the chief priests saw the wonderful things that he did and then the children were crying in the temple and saying Hosanna to the son of David and Jesus said have you never read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise so after he makes it a house of purity and a house of prayer it becomes a house of power and then and only then it can be a house of perfect praise are you listening to me see here Here's the thing that we try to do. We want, and churches are doing this all over the country today. They want to, they want to make their church a house of praise and call it a house of worship, but we're trying to put the praise at the top of the list. The praise will be there when first of all there's purity and then there's prayer and then the power of God is there. And when the power of God is manifested, then there will be perfect praise in the house amen you won't have to pump nobody you won't have to prime nobody you won't have to coax nobody because when there's purity and prayer and power there will be praise in the house of the Lord come on amen that is what that is what the Lord's calling us to. So this is the same progression that's got to take place, I believe, in the church today. And not only in the church, but it's the same progression that has to take place in your and my individual lives. Woo, man. This is just a four, little, four little sharp points, but if we could get a hold of this, it would transform our lives and it would transform our church. This is the same progression because you and I, the Bible says that we, what Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, don't you know that you're the temple of God? You're the temple of, of God, the Holy Spirit. You, he dwells in you. So see, the Spirit of God doesn't dwell now 
in, uh, in a holy of holies somewhere, in a temple somewhere, or, in a, or in, uh, you know, inside four walls of a, of a church sanctuary. But now you and I are the temple of God. We're the temple of God. The Spirit of God now lives and dwells in you and I. So we've got to see this progression in our own personal lives and in our own and, and in our church. And as we see it in our lives, we'll begin to see it in the church. And we, we I don't I don't think that I have to really develop these points very much more because we we do see the need today in the church being a house of purity, don't we? Amen. I didn't lose you there, did I? Because, because, you know, in the day we're living in, in the day we're living in, I talked to them about it yesterday morning, our, our prayer group in our prayer meeting, and talked to them about, you know, us counting the cost and not, and not, and not surrendering to the enemy. Because, it's, you know, we're living in a day where, where purity, uh, it's, just not, it's just not that widespread anymore. Anything kind of goes now. But, but there's got to be purity in the house of the Lord. And that's, so that's one of the things that we have to stretch, stress today because the modern church today needs a good house cleaning. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The modern church today needs a good cleaning up by the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something that Jesus, you know, listen, I'm going to tell you, you know, people say, well, Jesus, Jesus was, is just love. He doesn't ever get angry. I'm going to tell you what. He went out and he made a whip. He made a skirt. He made a whip and went in there to whip and to drive those animals out of there. He wasn't angry when he went up. And I'm sure he got criticized. And they probably said, I thought you was really a, a holy person. He's kicking over tables and, and money's flying everywhere. But he was angry. It wasn't a sinful anger. It wasn't a sinful anger. But he was angry because of the desecration of the house of God. I think it's time that the church and Christians get a little bit of righteous indignation today about some of the stuff that's going on in the house of the Lord and bring some good old-fashioned purity and holiness and righteousness and cleanness back into the church, back into the house of God. Come on, amen? House cleaning in the temple, praise God. That's why we got to search our own hearts and make sure, Jesus, clean my temple up. Clean me out. Clean me up if there's anything in there that doesn't need to be in there. Amen? See, God still demands purity and He still demands cleanness and holiness in His people. And those are, you know, godliness and godly lives. And He's still in the business of cleaning up the temple. Amen? So there's got to be a, a, a purity in the church. And then there has to be prayer in the church. I said there has to be prayer in the church. And this is probably why we're going to spend a few more Wednesday nights on this topic. Teaching us, Lord, teach us how to pray and teach us to pray. Because that is what I believe the call is of the Lord to the church today. Is He's calling us to prayer. He's calling us. He's calling us. And are we going to answer that call? See, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves today. Now, Lord, you're calling us to pray. 
Are we going to answer the call of God to pray? He made the declaration over the temple and said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. That's what Jesus said. He's quoting from the Old Testament prophets. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He, he, you know, we love the singing and worship, and I, I, I love it. But you know what? He didn't say, My house will be a house of singing. Amen. I love to preach, but he didn't say my house will be a house of preaching. Amen. We have great Sunday school classes and program here, but he didn't say my house will be a house of Sunday school teachers and Sunday school classes. But he did say, and all those things are fine, and we're not saying that we don't need them. We do. But none of those things will amount to anything. The singing or the worship or the preaching or the teaching or the Sunday school or the outreach or any of it. Nothing will make any difference or be effective unless first and foremost, his house is a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Hallelujah. That's what it's got to be. He said, my house is going to be a house of prayer. So when we come to this place that we answer the call of prayer, and there's three phases here. I guess I'm just laying some foundation tonight. We'll get into this prayer pattern maybe next week, but... There's three phases here that we enter into when we answer the call of God to prayer. And and the first one is delight. Delight, and I'll just give them all three to you. It's delight, discipline, no, I'm sorry. It's desire, discipline, and delight. I got my cart before my horse there. Desire, discipline, and delight. So the first phase in answering the call to prayer is to have the desire to pray. I think that's where, we're, that's where we need to focus on, is having the desire to pray. Because when I, when I look at the church world today and I look at Christians today, it doesn't seem like that, 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 that there's really a desire to pray. Well, you know, we've got a good... We got a good crowd here on a Wednesday night. Most churches don't have this many people. There's a desire. There's a desire in your heart to be here in the middle of the week on Wednesday night. But there's got to be a desire. There's a little le- there's a little less of that on prayer meeting day because there's not near as many on prayer meeting. I'd like to see this many on a pr- at a prayer meeting service. So there's got to be a desire to pray. And so we need to be asking the Lord, if we don't have that desire, Lord, give me a desire for prayer. Amen. That should be the first prayer that we pray, is give me the desire to pray. Make me a prayer. I've prayed that prayer many times in my life. And so if you, if, if you will do that, the Holy Spirit will put a desire for prayer in your heart. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit, God will answer that prayer and the Holy Spirit will give you a desire to pray. But then the second phase of that, of of answering the call to prayer is that once the Lord has put the desire in your heart to pray, there has to be the discipline to pray. And here's where we get mixed up and here's where we get fouled up and here's where we miss it is when it comes, anytime you use the word discipline, come on somebody. 
That's the word, that's where we get the word disciple, comes from the word discipline. A disciple is a learner, someone who is learning and being instructed in his discipline. And so when it comes to discipline, we have to discipline ourselves. Isn't that right? And so when it comes to prayer, if you have the desire to pray, the next thing is you're going to have to be disciplined. You're going to have to discipline yourself to make yourself pray. Because just because you got the desire and the want to doesn't mean you always... Jesus, listen, Jesus said that the Spirit is willing. He told, he told, he told the, the, the disciples there in Gethsemane, He said, you watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. He said, and they kept falling asleep on Him, didn't they? Amen? And he, he would go back and He'd say, can't you watch with me one hour? He said, watch and pray so you don't enter into temptation. He said this, for the Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so that old flesh is what we got to deal with and that flesh is what we have to discipline we have to discipline ourselves to pray there are times listen there are times that that uh, well the you got to form a habit of prayer prayer can be habit forming it needs to be there are bad habits you need to get rid of, but there are some good habits we need to have. And praying is one of them. You need that time with the Lord. So there's times, you know, we, we have to discipline ourselves. But listen, if you have the desire and you will take the time to discipline yourself to pray and make yourself go to the, to the throne room of God and go to that prayer room and pray even when you don't feel like praying, and just because you, God gives you the desire doesn't mean you're always going to feel like praying. Amen? How many knows you got to pray when you don't feel like praying? You go to church when you don't feel like going to church. There's times I don't necessarily feel like preaching, but I still get up there and give it my best shot and preach. Amen? Most of the time I find out that I may not feel like preaching when I step into the pulpit, but when I get done, I feel like I feel a lot better about it. Amen? <laughs> you got, so you got to discipline yourself. You got to pick your old body up and your old flesh up, and you got to talk to yourself and say, "Get in that prayer closet and pray." You need to be in fellowship with the Lord. So there's a delight and there's a discipline. And if you will discipline yourself, then that discipline, that delight, and that discipline will turn that desire and discipline will turn into a holy delight, and prayer will be something that's delightful to you, and you will enjoy going into the presence of the Lord and spending time in His presence in prayer. Can I get an amen? amen? So it's a house of purity and it's a house of prayer. We've got to have a house of prayer. And when we have that, then it will be a house of power. And that's what we have to have within the church is that house of power because prayer, that's what prayer does. It transforms the church into a house of power. Amen? Amen? And then when we have that power, that's when the blind and the lame came into the temple and they were healed. The power of God was in manifestation. The power of God now is being demonstrated. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, the anointing was there. The power uh, and the presence and power of God to heal was there. Why? Because now... They have turned this house into a house of prayer and now God is moving and working. 
And that's what we've got to have as a house of power. Those I've taught and preached on those gifts of the of the Spirit, you know, here recently, and, the, and those gifts that that God has placed within the church. Prayer is what stirs those gifts up within the church and within the believer, causes those gifts to be in manifestation. So we have to have that prayer in order to have the power. And when the power is manifested, then there will be uh, that house will then erupt. Listen, that house will then erupt in perfect praise and worship unto the Lord. And those religious leaders didn't like that. When everybody was there in the temple, now people were being healed and they were all shouting Hosanna to, to the Lord and Hosanna to the King and they were praising the Lord. And all of those religious leaders said, make them hush. Make them shut up. We don't want to hear that. They're, they're being too loud in the house of God. Oh, man, I tell you what. Uh, we need some praise in the house of God. We need to, some worship in the house of God. Amen? We need, we, need a, we need a reason to praise. We need a reason to worship. And the reason is because of the power of God that will be demonstrated. See, listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know what perfected praise is? Is when the power of God is moving and, and, and manifesting in such a way that's, that, that, that sinners are coming in and being, their lives are being changed. And drug addicts are being delivered. And alcoholics are being set free. Come on, amen? And people that are, that are bound with drugs and bondages or those bondages are being broken and those that have been bound by methamphetamines and heroin and hard drugs hallelujah that, that, that are putting that needle in their arm when they come to know Jesus Christ and the power of God is manifested and breaks that addiction and breaks that bondage I'm going to tell you you don't have to you don't have to encourage people to praise the Lord then because when that begins to happen and it's a house of power and people are being healed and delivered and set free there will be manifested praise in the house of the Lord amen so that's the call that he's given us to prayer that's the call so Jesus cleanses that temple to make it a house of prayer and so he's telling you and I tonight. He's telling you and I to pray. To be men and women of prayer. Jesus, in his life and ministry, made prayer a priority in his life. And he's our example, is he not? And he made prayer a priority. He actually made it a habit. You, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, at the beginning of His ministry, we find Him going off into a solitary place. In Mark chapter 1, it said that He arose a great while before day. And He went off into a solitary place and He got alone with the Father and He prayed. So at the beginning of His ministry, He was praying. In the middle of his ministry, we just, we just studied here a couple of Sundays ago about the feeding of the 5,000 and how that when Jesus sent the multitudes away and sent the disciples out on the ship, what did he do? Now we're in the middle of his ministry and Jesus got rid of everybody so he could go up into the mountain and be alone with God and he was there all night in prayer. 
So there in the middle of his ministry, we see he's still making prayer a priority in his life. And then at the end of his ministry, we're all familiar with what he did going into the garden before, you know, the, the night before he's going to be arrested and tried and put on the cross. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's there in an agony and he prays in such an agony that, he's, that he's, his sweat is this great drops. He sweat great drops of blood and he prayed that thing through. He prayed three times, three different times and came back, as I said, found the disciples asleep. But there he is in the garden. He couldn't get one of his disciples to, to stand with him in prayer and pray with him for even one hour. But there at the end of his ministry, he's in prayer and he prayed that through and prayed through until an angel came there in the garden and strengthened him. And then even then, even on the cross in his final hours, we still find Jesus in prayer because he's praying, Father, those that had, that, that had done all of that to him, he's praying for them. And he's praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hallelujah. He's praying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Hallelujah. So he's, he's praying at the beginning of his ministry. He's praying in the middle of his ministry. He's still having prayer time at the end of his ministry. And even at the very end of his life, he's calling upon his heavenly Father and praying to his Father. Listen, prayer was a priority with Jesus and prayer must be a priority with you and prayer must be a priority with me and with Abundant Life Family Church. Are you listening to me? Listen, I don't have a church growth plan. I don't go. I don't go to the church growth. I don't travel all over the country to every new church growth seminar that they have. I don't have the plan. There's a bunch of them I saw on Facebook heading to Birmingham or somewhere to another big church growth seminar to learn the, the newest fad on how to build a church. I don't know any of that stuff. And I don't go to none of those things. But the one thing that I do know is that if you will make the house of God a house of prayer and a house of power and a house of praise, that God will do mighty things in our midst. Glory to God, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. If we can learn how to do it with our own methods and our schemes and our plans, we can get to where we can do it without God. But can I tell you that the Lord said, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I want, I want to... I want to remain in that place before the Lord where I say every day, if you don't help me, I can't do it. If you don't anoint me, I can't do it. If you don't build the church, I can't do it. We depend on you. We got to have the Lord and the power of the Holy Ghost working in our church and in our life. Come on and give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, stand up on your feet. Let's worship the Lord. That's a good time just to praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Worship team, come on back. Oh, hallelujah. House of prayer. House of praise. House of power. Jesus gives us the pattern. I thought we'd get into that tonight, but I'm not. 
Come back next week. Same time, same place, same station. Same bat channel. We'll do it again. Glory to God. <laughs> but Jesus gives the outline of prayer. And we're going to go through, we're going to study this over the next few weeks. This outline. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to me. There are six topics. I got notes wrote on everything. <laughs> There's six topics that are in this model prayer that we're going we're to go through each one of them. And each one of these topics that Jesus gives in that model prayer are prayer topics for us to pray through in our time with the Lord. When you learn this and you begin to put this into practice as the Holy Spirit leads you in this, you think, you know, you think about praying for an hour. Well, you think, well, I, there's no way I could ever pray an hour. I don't think, I, can, I can't think of enough things to say. When you learn this prayer pattern, which is, it's, it's based on the new covenant. It's based on the cross. We'll find out when we get into that. But when you get to, get to pray in these as the Holy Spirit leads, you'll find out that an hour ain't even enough to pray for everything that the Holy Spirit's leading you to pray for. Woo! Can you imagine if everybody in this church would start praying that way? What a mighty, powerful move of God that we'll see. Those six topics are these. And let me tell you, in this Lord's Prayer, everything you and I need Everything that we need is in these topics of prayer. Everything we need to live a full, victorious, overcoming life in this earth is in these six topics of prayer. Number one, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. Praise for the benefits of the cross. Second topic, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Those are the priorities that we got to get right in putting the kingdom of God first in our life and letting Him rule and reign in us. Thirdly, give us this day our daily bread is praying for our provision and God supplying every need in our life and He's promised to do that. The fourth topic, forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. That's having the right attitude toward everyone and walking in love and walking in forgiveness. And there's a whole lot of people need to start learning how to pray that topic right now. Number five is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And under that topic, we pray for protection from the hand of the enemy, that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. And we're praying to walk in the victory that Jesus has provided for us at Calvary and be delivered from the powers of the evil one in this earth. Number six, the sixth topic, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory is the ending of it and returning back to praise. Because the Lord's prayer pattern here is a sandwich prayer. It starts with praise and it ends with praise and there's a whole bunch of good stuff in the middle. Come on. Woo! 